0: Last week, uh, Pastor Peter, he preached on rest. I think it was such a timely and great message. Uh, I really benefited a lot. I thought about rest a lot this week. I rested a lot. Um, And so we're starting a new series-ish. And I don't know if you remember uh, way back when we first started, like I kind of said, I emphasized that, you know, we're not technically church, right? We're not technically having a service. And I said stuff like, you know, there will be weeks where, you know, I'm not really going to preach, right? I might not preach from the Bible, and that kind of shocked us. And then I ended up preaching from the Bible every week. Uh, but this week and kind of particularly this series, uh, it's, it doesn't have a lot of Bible. Right? I'm just going to put it out there. Uh, this isn't really a sermon. Um, I wouldn't preach this on a Sunday, a service. Uh, this is from me, not to Kingsway Church, uh, but from me to uh, the launch team. Right? This, I want to talk uh, for these next maybe three to four weeks about stuff like vision, mission, values, uh, kind of just uh, things that uh, matter to us as a launch team. Um, And so again, I'm going to reiterate, it's not going to be Bible heavy. Uh, This is less of a sermon and more of just me sharing my heart, right? Less sharing about what God says, more sharing about what's on my heart. And so just going to put that out there, okay? It might make us a little bit uncomfortable. It should, and that's good um, because this isn't really a sermon. All right. So today I want to talk about vision, right? I want to uh, explain what our vision statement is. And kind of unpack it a little bit. uh, Why uh, I kind of came uh, to that conclusion about our vision statement. But uh, let me begin by explaining uh, what is a vision statement. And I'll try by uh, saying a story uh, that I heard from Ministry Grid, uh, but I kind of adapted it. This is my version of the story. Okay. This is the story. Sorry, I think Linda needs your help. Oh. All right. Here's the story. On vision. Uh, There was once a traveler uh, walking down a road and this traveler noticed that there were three men off to the side uh, laying bricks. Uh, But what caught the traveler's eye was just how different each of the three individuals demeanor and attitude was as they were laying bricks. And so the first person looked absolutely miserable. But it was clear that he hated what he was doing and every brick he was laying down was a chore. Right? He didn't want to be there. He was dragging his feet as he moved about, you know, back and forth. Right? The second person was very different. You could see the effort in his work. There was energy. There was purpose. Right? There were even glimpses of enthusiasm. Right? But it was the third person who stood out the most. Right? This person was smiling from ear to ear, full of joy. This person was laying bricks faster and better and with more care than the other two. His enthusiasm was off the roof and he was giving 200% of himself, you know, every time he laid down a brick. And so this traveler is seeing these three people doing the same thing uh, with vastly different attitudes and demeanor. And so he was drawn in and he asked each of them, you know, what are you doing? So he asked the first person, the miserable one, you know, what are you doing? That miserable person, he responded, I'm laying bricks. He goes to the second person and he asks him, what are you doing? And that person says, I'm building a wall. And then he goes to the third person who's full of joy, you know, giving 200%, smiling from ear to ear. And he asks him, what are you doing? And that person responded, I'm building the most beautiful city that the world has ever seen. Right? That's what vision is. And that's the power of vision. But right. each person is doing the same task. They're each laying bricks. But the difference was how clearly they could see, you know, where they were going to end up right. how clearly they could see the end destination to all of their current and present efforts. Right. The first person is miserable because all he can see is the brick in his hand. The second person is a bit better because he can imagine and visualize the wall that would end up, you know, at the end of the day, at the end of the week. But the third person was driven, uh, motivated, and inspired because they could picture that city right? that they were building toward at the end of you know, maybe the year or the many years to come. And that's what vision kind of really is. It's that end destination or goal that we're striving toward. And as a church plant, uh, it's important, or even as a church, it's important to keep that end in mind because that will then affect our attitude and demeanor as we you know, lay down our bricks today. And so vision is, and you can explain it in various ways. Uh, it's the flag at the top of the mountain. I think that's how uh, Song Tzu likes to say it. Uh, it's that perfect picture. Uh, if you could just imagine, you know, where do we want God to take us? Where do we want to be in decades time? Right, that's vision. Right, where do we want to end up? Right, where's our goal? And so this is in contrast to stuff like vision and value. So I'll talk about our mission, uh, sorry, mission next week. Uh, if vision is where we want to be, mission is what we are doing to get there. Right? Mission is what we're doing today. What are we doing to get to where we want to be tomorrow? And vision is that tomorrow. And values then is, you know, the characteristics, the, the traits that shape how we do what we do. And I'll talk about those you know, in the coming weeks. But today we're talking about vision, right? Where do we want to be? Where do we want to end up at? What's our goal? You know, every uh, secular organization has their own form of vision, mission, values. Different people define it in different ways. Uh, but what makes a church uh, unique is that Jesus Christ, the head of the church, has ultimately, you know, given to us our vision and mission. Right. When you look at the Great Commission, uh, this is you know, really our vision slash mission. Right? Verse 19, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Uh, this is our, our mission because what we're meant to do, Jesus uh, commissions us, is make disciples. Right? That's what we're doing today. We're making disciples, baptizing them teaching them to observe what Christ has commanded. And also in here is vision, right? Where do we want to end up? We want to end up where there are disciples of all nations, right? Where the whole world, right? That God has predestined become disciples and followers of Jesus Christ, right? so I just want to make that clear when you think about the church, this is the overarching vision and mission of every church. And technically we could have the same vision and mission from the great uh, commission, and that will be right. Uh, but what we want to do, you know, as I explained my vision statement or our vision statement is uh, apply that kind of big picture umbrella vision and mission to our context. Right? What does that look like for us as a church? What does that look like if we say it in our own language, right? As, as you know, whoever we are as a launch team, as we look at who we're focusing on and trying to reach out to, right? what does that look like? And that's what our vision statement is. Right, will Mancini uh, also in the ministry grid uh, videos uh, that some of us are going through. Uh, he says this, uh, God is doing something cosmically significant, but locally specific in every church. Right? That cosmically significant thing is the Great Commission. God is, you know, whether in you know, Thailand or whether in India, he's working to make disciples all around the world right, to build his church. But at the same time, he's doing something specific in our church, right, at Kingsway. And so, our vision statement, our mission statement is focusing on that latter half, the locally specific thing that God is doing in Kingsway. And so, I want to share with you our vision statement, and then we're going to focus on the four key words in it in today's like sharing. And I'm, on, I'm going to be honest here, I'm a little nervous. Uh, we all know how what, what happened the last time I shared you know, something near and dear to my heart. Uh, I ended up wandering alone by myself, like a sojourner, Um, but I'm going to share with you. And if you don't love it, uh, that's okay. You know, I passed this through a whole bunch of people. Uh, Everyone gave comments and I'm very thankful for, you know, all the help that led to this. And I'm sorry that it didn't end up changing too much from, you know, the comments that you gave. Um, But this is our vision statement uh, for Kingsway in this season. Our vision is to see uh, the gospel revive our generation and beyond. Right, so this is our vision statement, and we're going to stick with this for you know, at least the next few decades. Uh, I just wanted something really clean, uh, really simple, that we can all you know, memorize. Um, you know, Some vision statements are super long. I just wanted to uh, just cut out all the fat. So let me unpack four words here. Gospel, revive, generation, beyond. Right, let me unpack that, and hopefully it'll give you a better understanding of you know, what our vision statement means and you know, why it is our vision statement. So let's talk about gospel. Gospel answers the question, what is our greatest need? What is the world's greatest need? What is it that we as human beings and we as Christians or we as, you know, Australia or Sydney really desperately need at the end of the day? And the answer is we need the gospel. About two years ago, uh, Uni and I, we realized that Reuben, uh, he struggled to breathe in his sleep. Uh, When things got bad, especially when he had a cold or cold-like symptoms, uh, he would actually stop breathing in his sleep. And it was like one of the hardest things to try to sleep when your child, you know, can't breathe. And so we'd be lying in bed and we'd just hear him like he'd just, he'd be breathing and then you'd go silent. And, you know, just naturally we'd stop breathing as well because we are holding our breath and just counting. One, two, three and you know after like five ten seconds he'd go <laughs> and like he'd, he'd like kind of wake up and start breathing again and so we tried a bunch of different things to try to fix it uh we'd hold him upright in bed and that helped you know maybe for a little bit while we were holding him we would put Vicks vapor rub on his chest we put it on his foot apparently that that's meant to help you breathe on your foot i don't know why uh, we would use a humidifier i mean put that on you know every night for a long time Uh, We even gave him steroids, uh, that was meant to help him a little bit. And all this stuff, you know, kind of solved it for a little bit, for a little bit of time, um, but it wouldn't really kind of solve the real issue. And so we ended up going to an ENT specialist, uh, and he said that all of those symptoms, right, his cold-like symptoms, his difficulty breathing, his sleep apnea, his blocked nose, his tiredness, even his behavioral problems, were all kind of symptoms of what was a root cause. And the root cause was that uh, he had like adenoid and tonsil like it was too big so he couldn't breathe that made him tired that made him grumpy etc etc and what we needed to do was we needed to cut him out right so we had to cut out his adenoids and cut out his tonsils and you know ethan scarlett toby i think they've had the same uh, surgery as well Um, and so we went through the surgery and it solved the problem right so now he can breathe now he's not as tired. Now he's, I think, you know, I think it actually helped his behavior, right? He's not as, you know, he's not as crazy like that. Um, and and that's, that's what it was. We, we tried to treat the symptoms for a very long time, um, but they didn't really solve anything. We had to go down to the root problem and fix that. And then all the symptoms were solved. Right? And I say this story because, you know, when we look at the world, there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of heartache. And there's a lot of what we, what I'll call symptoms right? But they're not the, the real root issue. And we can live as a church trying to treat symptoms, and that's helpful. Uh, but what we really need to do is go down to the root problem and solve that. Right? And the root problem of all the pain and heartache and issues that we see in the world is sin. That's the root problem. That's a root cause. And the solution to that root cause is Jesus Christ. And so we, as a church, we want to go out and tell people about Jesus, right? This is the gospel, right? The church can do a lot of other things, and we should, and those are good things. We can be, um, you know, spread good morals. Uh, We can try to be good people, and you know, let other people be good people. We can, you know, feed people, and you know, fight against injustice and inequality. And those are all good things. But really, at the heart of everything is sin, right? And the only solution to sin is that people would hear about Jesus, right, and turn to him, right? When we preach the gospel, people are forgiven of their wrongdoings. They're brought back to the Father, right? They're, they're changed. Their sinful nature, nature is done away with. Uh, we find our identity. Uh, we find our purpose for life. We have hope, joy, et cetera, right? From the gospel, all of these other things spring out. And so that's why gospel is in our vision statement. And you guys probably know, right, we want to be a church that is gospel centered and we want to be all about the gospel of jesus christ right and everyone says the gospel is important but we really 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 want to be about the good news of jesus right the apostle paul says he's not ashamed of the gospel for the gospel is the power of god for salvation to everyone who believes but there's no other message or no other thing that we can do or communicate that will transform people's lives as powerfully as the gospel Right? We need to be about the gospel. And that's what this church wants to see. We want to see the gospel go out. Right? And this shows up in our church in many ways. We preach the gospel. We teach it. We sing about it. We, in our, our outreach, right? it's more than just compassion or helping people. We want the gospel to go out. Right? In our Bible studies, in our prayers, right? we're about the gospel. And so you guys probably know uh, the gospel is very important. The second of the four words is the word revive. Um, what is our greatest desire, right? This answers what do we long for the world and what we want is revival. Right? We want revival. And I know, you know, that, that word um, kind of has, I don't know, I don't know if that's a good connotation for you, but that's what we really desire. We want, you know, the spirit to work powerfully to bring revival, you know, in our people's lives. Uh, You know, kind of like the Psalm says, what we long to see is people, you know, ascend the hill, stand in the holy place with clean hands and with pure hearts. And we want that to be this generation, right? Which is the next word I want to talk about. A generation that seeks the face of God. Uh, We want to see revival come to people uh, so that, you know, people are like overwhelmingly transformed and passionate, right, in Sydney. Right? We want the gospel to go out and make such a tremendous impact that uh, you know, Sydney is not the same. Right? I don't know if you guys have been through the waves of you know, what God has done uh, where you know, it just seemed like people were excited about you know, Jesus, excited about church, and that's what we long for. Right? We may not see it. God may not do it, but that is constantly what we're praying for. Right? That's our vision. We, we are wanting to see this happen. We want to see revival. Right? I thought about having the word save there. But the reason I don't have the word save is because, you know, we're really targeting two groups of people. First is unchurched people, right? We want to see unchurched people saved, right? We want to see them come to Christ. But the second group of people that Kingsway will target is the dechurched people. And when you think about our friends, especially, I think more so than maybe, you know, other ethnicities, right? If you're not a Korean and you, you grew up in Australia as a Caucasian, I think you would probably have less de church people. But I think as Koreans, we have a lot. We have a lot of friends who grew up in the church, didn't understand a lot of what was happening. You know, they left the church, they're de-churched. And I think one of the areas um, or groups of people that we can really draw back to Christ are the de-churched. And so these people are probably already saved. What we want to see is revival. We want to see them revived, right? They're, they're, they're kind of asleep. We want to wake them up for the sake of God. You know, I was talking with the pastors this week, and you know, Daniel said that that group of people, the de-churched people, are probably the hardest people to reach out to, right? He said they're probably harder to uh, reach out to than Muslims, right? Because the ch- de-churched, or he called, it, called them the ex-evangelicals, um, they think they know all the answers, Right? They've been to church, they've experienced everything, they've left. And that's true. They're going to be really tough to reach out to, uh, the friends that you used to sit next to in church. Uh, but Kingsway exists right? to see the unchurched and the dechurched. churched oh, I'll be careful with my fingers. Uh, de church come back to the Lord. Right? So it's de-churched, unchurched, not the churched. Not the churched. We're not aiming for the churched. We're not aiming for people who are already at church. We've talked about this. We're not looking for sideways growth. You know, and so as you look to invite people to Kingsway, when we launch, right, de-churched, un Let's not reach out to church people. Okay, I'm not saying we're going to reject them. Um, you know, we can't help it if they come. Um, but, you know, that's not our target. We want to see revival. The third thing. Let me talk about this phrase, our generation. And I want to stick on this one probably the longest. And then we've got one more after this. Uh, this answers the question, I think, really two questions. One is, you know, who is most deeply on our hearts, right, our generation? And I think, secondly, uh, where are we most effective? And I'll talk about this in a moment. I wanted a word that was both broad and specific. And that's why I landed on our generation. When I say broad, um, this word is applicable and relevant to anyone that steps into Kingsway, right? Regardless of age or ethnicity, you hear, you know, we want to see the gospel revive our generation and it doesn't exclude them. Do you know what I mean? Like everyone has a generation. And so that's why I wanted the word at the same time. I wanted a word specific, uh, that has a deeper meaning for second generation immigrants. And right. I didn't put Koreans or second-gen immigrants in the vision statement because that is exclusive. But when you hear the word our generation um, as most likely a 1.5 or second-gen immigrant, uh, it has a special meaning uh, because, you know, we as second-gen Koreans or immigrants have gone through, you know, a particular struggle as second-gens of trying to find our place in the world. Uh, there is a, a real deep and urgent need for God to work in the second gen immigrants, right? Because so many have left the church. But when you look at you know what happened in America, because in the immigration history in America is, is you know it happened before us. Uh, when you look at what happened in the Chinese churches, you know, we're not exactly the same. But in America, they have this phrase and they call it the silent exodus. And what happened in second-gen Koreans in America was that they grew up in the church, but when they got to college, they just left the church silently. This is a bad thing. It's not a good thing like in the Exodus in the Bible. It's the opposite. They they just started to drip out of the church, and there was a mass departure out of the church. And there were surveys done in the 1990s, and some scholars would put the number at 80 to 90% of second-gen Korean Americans who left the church once they hit college. That's that's an extraordinary percentage, 80 to 90% they say that they just leave the church, right? Someone else said 95%. And what they saw, what they saw was that it's the same struggle, like so many of us uh, are going through or have gone through uh, the second gen Korean Americans were trying to find their place because they were growing up in two worlds, right? They growing up, inheriting the culture, language and identity from their parents which was different from the culture language and identity that they were inheriting from the country they were growing up in right they were trying to straddle these two worlds they're korean and american um and, and that's our struggle right we, we're learning and inheriting stuff from our parents but it's different from what we're learning and inheriting from australia we're stuck in these two worlds and the result isn't that we're comfortable in both Right. The result is that we're uncomfortable in both. Right. We're, we're not really comfortable, you know, because we're not really fully Korean. But at the same time, you know, not all of us are fully comfortable in the Aussie culture or surrounded by, by you know, maybe Aussie people. Right. And the struggle that a lot of people go through is in, in terms of church is they don't fit into the Korean church. But when they leave the Korean church, they find that they don't fit into like an Aussie local church or even a multi-ethnic church. Right, that, that's what our generation is going through, right? It's particular because we are second gen. And this is really at the heart of why this church plant even exists. Because we ourselves have been trying to find a church to call our own, right? And maybe for a lot of us, we've struggled to find that. Now, we've talked a lot about multi-ethnicity and I'll talk about that in a moment. Um, and, and we are pushing for it. Uh, so we're not a Korean church. We're not defining ourselves as a Korean church in public platforms. We're going to try not to speak Korean, right? Because that's excluding others. And we are pushing for greater ethnic diversity. But at the same time, we need to be humble enough to accept the reality of where we are. And as a launch team, where we are is that we're like 98% second gen Korean. And that's just the reality of where we are. And we want multi-ethnicity. We're going to keep pushing for it. But the reality of today is that we're dominantly Korean. You know, we did a survey at the start of, you know, I think when we jumped on Zoom and I asked, you know, who do you think you'll invite? There was a great majority of us who were going to invite Koreans and at best Asians. Right And I was kind of surprised by that. I think that's just the reality of where we are. And it would be bad stewardship, I think, for us to ignore other second-gen Koreans, right? When we can have a tremendous impact in their lives, you know, when Pastor Dave Lee came, I don't know if you remember, he came in 2018 uh, to New Life WinterCon, um, you know, and I was talking to him about church planting uh, back then, and he he was saying, because he's from America, that this our generation will most likely be a transitory generation right, a stepping stone toward multi-ethnicity. But he was saying that we may not get there in our generation. We may not see it, right? We want to push for it, but maybe, and, you know, we'll see how God works. We may at best be an Asian church, right, when we get older. Um, And then it might be our children who will then push it further to become multi-ethnic. And that's just the reality of, you know, where we are. Even when I look at other Chinese churches in Sydney who you know have a, a longer immigration history than us cornerstone Church right a great church thriving you know started off as Chinese second gens and then pushed the boundaries to become more and more multi-ethnic you now when I spoke to uh, CS tang the lead pastor surprisingly he was saying to me that still their church is predominantly Chinese uh, the eastward one especially maybe Asian um, and depending on you know the nationality of the pastor and the location, maybe some other of the church plants are more diverse, but even they, you know, are taking it a step at a time, right? That's just the reality. And so when I think about that, and I ask the question, how can we be most effective for the gospel, right? I land on the answer that we can't neglect second-gen immigrants, right? Or second-gen, if you want to be specific, you know, Koreans especially. Right. God is doing a global work. Right? His vision and mission is to make disciples of all nations. But what part do we play right, in this season? And I think a part of what we need to do is reach out to second-gen immigrants. Right? I'm not saying that's all we're doing. Right? But I think that it has to be a part of what we want to do. That's why there's that phrase, our generation. Right? I want to include that meaning into that phrase. You know, we are better equipped than anyone else to reach out to second-gen Koreans. And maybe if we do well, also reach out to second-gen immigrants who struggle with similar things that we do. Right? if churches like Kingsway don't, um, you know, reach out to second-gen Koreans, who will? But right? who will reach out to those who are struggling to find their place? Don't belong in the Korean church, don't belong in the other church. Right? I'm not saying everyone feels like that. But I think majority of people don't fit in right, in any other the churches that exist right now. People feel uh, we are a church with you know, people like us. You know, I think it just makes sense for us to reach out to people like us. You know, if, and I was thinking about it, if our generation was ready at this very moment in time uh, to be in a multi-ethnic church, Kingsway wouldn't need to exist. Right? Because everyone who la- leaves the Korean church would find themselves at the local church or find themselves at a multi-ethnic church. And some people do, and they thrive, and that's wonderful. Um, but I think there's a good chunk of us who just aren't ready for it at this moment in time. That's why we're even planting a church. and That is the value we bring to the churches in Sydney, right? If, if we didn't bring any value, we wouldn't need to exist because there are so many churches already in Sydney. But the value we bring, the unique value, is that we can reach out to people who are struggling with similar things that we might have struggled with. Right, so we're focusing not just on this, but a part of this, and then right? we want to move on from there. Now I jumped on the 2016 census uh, stats, and I tried to figure out how many second-gen people there are. It's not easy. It doesn't just give you a number. I pulled a bunch of numbers, and I subtracted, and I tried to figure it out. I might be wrong here, but I think the number I landed on in terms of second-gen Koreans, uh, so these are people who aren't born in Korea, but their parents are born in Korea. So you're not born in Korea, but your parents are, right? And that's not even all the second gens, but that number, that number is 38,000 in Sydney. That's quite a lot of people, right? I was surprised. 38,000 people whose parents are born in Korea, but they themselves aren't, right? That's second gen, right? If we uh, hit 1% of that 38,000, uh, that'd be 380 people. Now 1% isn't that much. Well, that'd be 380 people that are, come, that are, you know, come to church. If we hit 2%, that's 760 people, right? I think we can aim for about 2% of, you know, this group of people in Sydney, right? And, and that's just Koreans alone. We're not just targeting Koreans, but even if we only hit 2%, right? That is a small percentage, but that's a lot of people. You know, the Apostle Paul in Romans 9 um, And if you know anything about the Apostle Paul, he was chosen by God to go to the Gentiles, right, non-Jewish people. But in Romans 9, we get a glimpse of his heart and his love for what he calls his own uh, brothers, his kinsmen. He says, verse 2, I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to to the flesh. This is one of the most kind of confusing and controversial things that he says. He says like I wish I could like be cut off from Jesus for the sake of my fellow Jews that they would come to Jesus. Right? It's like, well that sounds kind of weird and heretical. Um but this is just a, a reflection of his deep love and care for his people, his kinsmen, he calls them, his fellow Jews and Israelites who haven't turned to Jesus Christ, who are walking in sin, right? He he longs and he anguishes for them. And, you know, I I don't think it's bad. I think it's good if we also have a a heart and an anguish and a care for all of those who are like us that um, aren't yet in Christ. And again, that's not the limit of our care and love, um, but I think that and more is good and so yes um pray for this generation which includes second gen immigrants but also includes other people um yeah pray for them i think that's one of the first things uh, we need to do that the spirit would hurry our hearts and give us a heart kind of like the apostle paul had for his fellow jews and then the fourth word uh, is the word beyond right this balances everything else i said Um, This is the multi-ethnic. This is the next gen. Um, This is the future of what happens after, you know, our generation is healthy. Um, You know, aiming for Koreans right now, launch team, 95, 98% Koreans. This isn't where we want to stay, right? We want to keep pushing the boundaries to become more and more diverse and look beyond. And so when I say beyond, it it encapsulates two things, uh, outward and onward. Outward is greater ethnic diversity. Onward is the next generation, right? So outward, uh, let me talk a little bit about this. Uh, you know, we've we've talked about the push to become more and more diverse. Uh, we've looked at Revelation 7, 9, but, you know, at, at the end of the day, when we are with God in the new heavens and new earth, um, there will be every tribe, every nation, every tongue standing before the throne, you know, giving him worship. There is that diversity and there is that unity in that diversity, that you know, may only really be um, possible in heaven when there is no sin, and so that's kind of the the direction we're headed to, and we're constantly pushing there. I don't know how quickly. I, I'm not going to put any date on this, but that's where we want to get to eventually. Um, that's the beyond part. Uh, but the reason why this isn't front and center in our vision statement, or the reason why in our vision statement I didn't put something like you know, we want to be a multi-ethnic church, there's a few reasons. And one is, you know, I want our vision statement to inspire us uh, and encourage us. And, you know, I'm not having to go at like any other church, but, you know, when I, when I go to like, a, like another church and in their vision statement, they say, we want to be a multi-ethnic church. And then I look at the photos and the photos are like, not like 96% of one race. Uh, personally, just for me, uh, it doesn't inspire me. Uh, it kind of discourages me because I, I think that's what would, would happen to me if every time I stood up in front of Kingsway and I said, you know, we want to be a multi-ethnic church. And, and I'm just looking at, you know, like predominantly Korean or predominantly Asian faces. Um, I, I think that's a step to kind of beyond us right now. I, I want vision to inspire us. And so I put it in the beyond and not the front and center. The second reason is if multi-ethnic is really the, the front and center of our vision statement and that's primary, uh, then the first thing we should stop doing is evangelizing to Koreans because every Korean that steps into the church uh, is exacerbating the problem that we are dominantly Korean. Right? Does that make sense? If multi-ethnicity was really the, the primary drive for us, then you know, half of us should leave and um, we should you know, only invite non-Koreans. That should be our target. Um, But, uh, you know, I'm trying to balance, you know, these two things, right? That we can be effective for the gospel to second gens while also we're constantly pushing the boundary. right? So I'm trying to straddle that. That's the reason why it's not front and center. And third is vision statements change. And so in about a decade or two or three or whenever we're ready, um, we will change the vision statement to make multi-ethnic front and center. You know, when when it went closer, I think in our reach. I think, you know, it really is dependent on us. And I've talked about this before. The rate at which we'll push these boundaries will be determined, you know, partly by us and, you know, the church our leadership has decisions to make who will hire and stuff like that, what's on our vision statement. But a big part of it is really you. Um, who will you invite to, you know, the church? And the reality is if we uh, invite Koreans, then the progress to become multi-ethnic Will be slower. I um, mean, you know, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but that's just the way it will be. But again, a part of the eventual goal is to push this diversity in our, you know, makeup of ethnicity. And the beyond is not just outward, it's also onward. Um, and this is a big part of, you know, what's on our heart. Um, Psalm 78, it says, You know, we will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children. Right, The fathers are to teach to their children that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children. And so a big part of our heart is not just us, but it is the next generation. Um, But for us to pass the gospel baton on well means that we as a generation need to be healthy, right? We as a generation need to be running the race well in order then to pass it on to our children. And so first we, you know, you know like in an airplane where, you know, if, if the things fall down, they say, you know, put it on the mask on yourself and then put it on your children kind of like that. We need, we need to be okay first. And right? so our generation, and then it'll you know move on beyond to the next generation. But we do, we want to care about, you know, the guys, our children, our daughters that come after us. You know, we want to pass the baton on well. Um, A part of it is we want to do what the first generation did for us uh, to varying degrees of success, Um, but we also want to do it better as much as we can, as much as possible. You know, the church that we needed was different from the church our parents had and the church that our children need uh, will probably be different from the church that we need because they're struggling with a different identity problem. They'll be more Aussie than we are, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, But once we are healthy, we really want to care about them, help them, empower them, you know, resource them to have the kind of church that they need uh, that might be very different from the one that we're building. And so that's definitely on the radar. Uh, We want to focus on that. We want to pray about that. Uh, We want to build a culture of discipling younger people and hopefully that'll keep flowing on to, you know, our children. Um, okay but anyway these are the four key words uh, in the gospel uh, in the vision statement Um, we want to see the gospel revive our generation and beyond the gospel it's a solution to our core problem we want to see revival is what we're praying for it might not happen it's up to god we want to see people unchurched and dechurched come back revive and it's for our generation right it's second gen immigrants not just but it is a part of that word is thinking about that, but then also beyond. We're constantly pushing the boundaries outward and onward, diversity and to the next generation for the sake of our children. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't be able to say this to Kingsway, the church, um, but I, I'm speaking to Kingsway, the launch team, and I, I want us, every single one of us, to like, kind of know this off by heart. Uh, I want us to memorize it uh, to a certain degree, understand it. Like at the end of the day, I want us to be able to communicate it, even if it's not the exact words, communicate it to people, uh, whether that's people we invite, whether people ask us, you know, well, why is Kingsway, why does it exist? You know, what's your church about? For us to be able to really, you know, like love this and communicate it. And because we are launch team, uh, we need to be able to do that. Uh, we're not just, you know, a group of random people. We are people building this church. We are people driving this church. Uh, we, we are going to make this happen. And so uh, I want us to really embrace it. Uh, maybe you have some questions about it. Maybe you don't love it. Uh, <laughs> that's okay. Uh, well, that's not okay. But you can talk to me. Uh, but, you know, I really want us to, you know, be as a launch team on board and on the same page with this vision. Um, you know, we're going through videos on Ministry Grid. I've talked about that before. It's like a resource that, you know, a bunch of ministries are going through and the leaders were going through the vision aspect. And, you know, what really stood out to me in uh, one of the videos was um, Will Mancini, the guy talking, he says that, you know, it's really important for leaders, and I'm I'm counting launch team, every one of us, leaders to communicate vision uh, because it validates the vision. And what he was saying was, you know, when a pastor or, uh, you know, the guy on the pulpit uh, talks about vision, uh, it's not that effective, right? And I was surprised by that. He said, you know, people are going to hear it from the the pulpit probably the first time. um, But, you know, when congregation people hear that, they just think, of course, he's going to talk about vision. You know, that's kind of his job. Uh, But the moment it goes a layer down and launch team or leaders talk about vision, uh, when they talk about it in small meetings, when they communicate it in their own words, that's when kind of vision comes alive uh, because people are able to see not just the person who's on staff you know, talking about vision, but when they see you know, someone they know, when they see a leader, when they see a launch team member and you know, communicate vision in their own words, articulating it right, with passion you know, because they care about it, that's when vision really comes alive. And that's when people are brought together, unified and are able to run as a church for the same vision, right? Not when I say it, uh, but when you say it, I think that's when it becomes really powerful. And so again, this is our vision statement. I encourage us all to know it, memorize it, and be able to communicate it in some sort of way to those people around us, right? This is why we exist, right? We want to see the gospel revive our generation and beyond. And so the two questions um, you can talk about, uh, you know, to be honest, these questions are, uh, I wasn't too sure. Um what you can talk about, but I would say that as you think about our vision statement, uh what are some ways you are challenged? Um and so maybe as you hear this, you're like reminded of something, or you're like, Yes, I need to reach out to this person, or you know, you know, yes, our generation, I don't know. Maybe maybe you don't like it. Um you can talk about that if you really want. Um the second thing is, you know, what part are you playing or what part can you play uh in seeing this vision become a reality? And that can be like, you know. I now understand, you know, where my ministry fits into, you know, this vision. And so, you know, I'm, I'm more excited about that to serve in that in this capacity. Or maybe you're thinking about, again, you know, maybe I can reach out to this person who's de-churched or unchurched, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? So these are the two things uh, that you can chat about um, and I'll send you guys off.